stuck in my ways. I'm stuck in the house for most of the day. I'm chasing my dreams and running away. But I got a chance, I'm running my play. I want that none of y'all take it away. I'll never change, I'm stuck in my ways. All right, what is going on today? So, welcome to the sixth episode of Hey Mark, the podcast where I, Mark, talk about you know mental health, pushing past adversities, whether that be in your personal life, your work life, entrepreneurship, mental health, or physical health. And I talk about them in authentic and open ways. I have conversations with different people that have gone through different struggles and they have different perspectives from that. And if you enjoy that kind of stuff and you're brand new to this, then feel free to join this journey, follow along, and maybe start taking the steps to either improve any struggles that you're going through right now or just push your life in the right direction. At the end of the day, all I'm trying to do is push good vibes about you know overcoming struggles and really just getting to that pursuit of happiness. And if you have heard this stuff before, then thank you so much for following this journey. And I really appreciate it and I hope to obviously bring some more value to you. Now, for the sixth episode today, I got to talk with Chris Ravadia. You can find him on Instagram at HeyToper, H-E-Y-T-O-P-E-R. And, you know, we had a conversation basically about him moving from LA to Vancouver a couple years ago and how that's kind of shaped him and reborn him into, you know, someone that He's really proud to be and really happy to be. And basically, he shared a bunch of stories with me and he gave some really good insights in regards to self-development and self-acceptance. But I'm going to stop talking now so we can jump into this conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy it just as much as I did. All right, bang. Now we're recording. Now we are fully functional. All right, today we're here with Chris Ravadia. How about you do a little intro for yourself? I know your Instagram is at HeyToper, and that's uh, that's as much as I'll do. Why don't you introduce yourself? Thank you, Mark. Um, yeah, so Christopher Ravadia is the name, but I go by Toper. Uh, the way that came about is my mom, super Filipino, strong accent. She can't say the name that she named me properly. She's always like Christopher. And then when she got angry at me, which was 99% of the time, she just called me Toper. That way it'd be easier just to yell my name across the house. So uh, yeah, that's how that came about. And she would always yell at me in front of my friends. So it stuck with my friends. And I kind of just like it. I like it. It's better than than Chris. I feel like Chris is such a common name. Uh, but anyways, enough about the name or the nickname. I'm born and raised in LA, California. I moved to Canada uh, in 2012. So I've been here for about eight years. And Honestly, 2012 was the start of my life, I would have to say. It was the start of discovering who I was and, and yeah, just kind of creating, re- reconfiguring who I wanted to be. And um, a lot of that is because I grew up with a very controlling mom, as most strict Asian parents are. Um, but my mom was especially, like, very hard. And she dealt with her issues with, like, know a lot of different things and so you know she only knew how to raise me a certain way and unfortunately it wasn't the best way and so you know I wasn't really allowed to do a lot of things growing up and so moving to Canada and having the easy access of jumping on a bus or a sky train uh, and just being able to discover the city or meet up with friends very easily really changed my life in a lot of different ways and yeah the journey really began and so 
Uh, I know Mark from Boston Pizza, um, which was, I believe, my second job here in Canada. My first one was literally five steps away at White Spot. <laughs> I, I came into Boston Pizza so often um, that they ended up offering me a job. And so I came in and I, I uh, jumped ship and went over to Boston Pizza, worked there for a couple of years and worked with Mark. And he was our delivery driver guy at the time. <laughs> and his pickup truck, I remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah and and um, after Boston Pizza, kind of just jumped from job to job to job, finally decided to go pursue school. And um, graduating was a challenge. And finding a job was a challenge. But, you know, it was all a part of the journey of who I am today. And I'm still trying to figure life out and still trying to be the best version of myself. Self-development's like always an ongoing journey, man. It's, it's a never ending project. And the, the second you stop working on yourself is the second you just become lazy or content. And being content has its own benefits, but in a lot of ways you have to stay hungry and you have to strive to always be better. Nice, man. Beautiful. I love that, dude. So what was, uh, what was like the biggest change other than like having like a lot more freedom between moving from LA to Vancouver? Yeah. Um, I would have to say the people, you know, like with LA being in Hollywood and California, there's that huge influence of mainstream pop culture. And so everybody there is trying to act or be a certain kind of way. And so you deal with a lot of fakeness and a lot of flakiness. And so the relationships that you have in LA or yeah, in California just aren't really um, authentic or genuine connections. Everyone's always just trying to use. And I know that I'm generalizing, but that was just my experience at a very young age. And I moved from, I left LA when I was 18 or 19. So yeah, my experience was was very based on like high school years and it could have been different in college, who knows? But yeah, I just felt like um, the people were a big change and obviously like the aesthetic as well, like BC is just a very beautiful place. So, so it was awesome that a lot of the things to do here wasn't just going out to a club or going to a house party. Um, and instead of having to drive out two or three hours away, four hours away to go to a hike or something in LA, you can just do that all within reach. And so that also plays into effect of the culture of Vancouver as well. And so uh, the culture of Vancouver I find is very much more like hippie and laid back and yeah. So I think those are like the biggest differences, man. Nice, man. That's, that's actually something I always think that we take for granted, like being someone that was born in Vancouver, raised here. You know, you never really think there's a lot to do. You're like, oh, man, what could we get up to? There's a lot of things you can get up to because we have so many things like beaches and hikes and like all these different things so, so closely available, right? We just take it for sure. granted. We don't think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's crazy because... I know a lot of people who complain about Vancouver and while there are some things to complain about, I still think that there's so much to be, to be grateful for. Like, yeah, I mean, it's the most mild out of all of Canada. And, and again, the, 
there's like a, a huge like you know outdoor scene out here and there's also a huge music scene out here which i'm really into so um yeah there's a lot going for vancouver man yeah have you been back to la uh, at all since you left yeah the last time i went was when my grandpa passed away uh last september Sorry and then that, man. that's okay thank you man um and that was a bit tough you know my grandpa played a big role in my life uh and more so my grandma too actually um so i think that was also the last time that i went there before september of last year was to see my uh yeah it was to see my grandma before she passed away um which was 2016 or so um so yeah i tried i tried like back when they were alive i tried to go there like every single year and actually our mom didn't give us a choice <laughs> our mom was like we're booking your tickets you take off work or you're not a part of the family anymore and so we decided to to you know still be part of the family and ended up going every year and that was nice beautiful man and so uh you've been in vancouver now for years and years and years and you were saying that you've really been into like the music scene Talk to me, like, like what, what does that look like? What you, what's your involvement in the music scene? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's interesting in a lot of different ways. Like for me personally, I love to sing and I love to rap. I'm not very good at it, but you know, for me, it's an outlet. And being Filipino, it's like embedded in our DNA to like either sing, dance, or play basketball. <laughs> One of the three or all of the three. And um <laughs> And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's so, so that's like one aspect of it. And then the other two is I love concerts, man. And it's actually one of my hobbies, like going to concerts, like really cheap ones, of course, like 10, 15 bucks. Um, and I love a different, like a huge range of different music, anywhere from hip hop to R&B to indie to electronic and then electronic funk, all these different subgenres of electronic music. But um yeah, I'd say, yeah, so I'm a huge music goer and appreciator of, of music. And then also recently in the last year, I've joined a company called Vive and um, it's a movement actually. Um, and the mission of this movement is to end loneliness and to re and, and boost human connection and to restructure the entertainment industry in a way that would boost social connection among attendees because we feel that you know your your classic nightclub your classic like getting drunk and going out and and just the way people or what people typically do for fun and to bond with friends isn't the most efficient way to bond with people because if you think about it when you go out and you get drunk you don't really remember a lot of the nights or the conversations or the different things that really make that connection with that you made with someone that night um so yeah, so the way this ties into music is what's awesome is that we get hired by music festivals to perform. And so I was actually just in, in Costa Rica in, in February and we, um, yeah, we got, we had a stage set. And so we, we like had a specific playlist of music that we had picked. So it's me and my, my partner slash best friend, Jacques Mardike and, um, yeah, you know, we, we connect our, our phones to the music and then we, we're given like um, microphones and we facilitate some activities. And so uh, 
Yeah, just kind of thinking back to our set at Envision, we performed on the on the main stage where Rufus the Soul and among other artists were playing as well. Um, and yeah, we were we were given like a ten minute set, and we get on stage and we're like, we grab the mic and we're, we we have our like our so we call ourselves party scientists because we have mastered the science of of partying or of human connection, and so we have an entire act where we like wear um, lab coats and like pink hats and like sunglasses and it's like nighttime. And so we get on stage with our microphones and we're like, um, is this Envision Costa Rica, the Luna stage? And then he's like talking to me and I'm like, yeah, Jacques, I think it is. We heard that we need an intervention at this stage and to turn it from a 10 to a, and then I go 11 and then the Space Jam song goes on and there's like flamethrowers and and we just walk people through a lot of activities and we, we try and break down those, those barriers. So we encourage people in the crowd to, we challenge them actually to hold hands or like um, get to know people that they wouldn't normally speak to in the crowd. And so, yeah, it was pretty awesome. Like uh, being a part of that experience um, and just hearing what people had to say after the experience as well. I saw the comments on some like photos that were published and people were like, I don't know who they were, but it was like the highlight of my Envision experience because I got to talk to people and hold hands and sing with people that I would have normally never had a chance to connect with. And it was cool and it really made me believe in what we do. And so besides stage sets, what we also do for music festivals are we do like activations. And so what we call activations. So for example, in Costa Rica, again, we did like beach parties. So we, we have our, we're sponsored by Soundbox. And so we had our speakers and again, we have a mic and we just like have people gather in like large circles and we do like dance captain where everyone's copying the person in the middle or we put like Whitney Houston and we do like a massive sing-along to the sunset. Um, and it's pretty freaking awesome, man. I've, I've been to two music festivals in five and um, it's just been an incredible experience. And there's a lot to like learn from it for me. And because I, I used to go to music festivals and, you know, you'd just be messed up on a bunch of different things, drinking or whatever. And, and for me, that was always like my way of having fun and connecting, you know, like that it was almost like a tool to connect because your, your inhibitions are lowered. And, and by doing this, uh, being a part of this um, company called Vive, it taught me that you can access joy and you can access human connection just from within without the need of anything, right? Like you can, you can be whoever you want to be. Um, yeah. By just changing your state of mind naturally. So, yeah. That's sick, man. I really like that. I really like the sound of that, man, for sure. Yeah. How, how long have you, so you've been there for a year now or how long yeah. have you been there? So um, July 1st, Canada Day was my first time. I was like walking down the streets. And so Jacques, he's like, he's the star of the show and he's the one who's running this company. He's been doing this since 2014 and it started as Party for Health, but then it kind of rebranded to Vive. And um, yeah, I was just kind of walking down to Canada Day and I just saw some, a group of people with a speaker waving the Canadian flag. and. A lot of people dancing around and I joined in and 
um, immediately after I asked him, hey man, can I like help be a part of your events? Can I help you in any sort of way? And um, so yeah, it, it, ever since July 1st, 2019, I've been a part of it. So almost a year, almost. Nice. And so why do you think that like people tend to, because you said that people were saying it's the highlight of their, their night or their experience at that festival. Like, why do you think people tend to like just naturally gravitate towards like you did as well? Yeah, I think what it is, it's something that's different, right? Like, I think um, people long for connection in general, right? And unfortunately, there are a lot of barriers in today's society, whether that's, you know, the media, social media, insecurities, a number of different things that really stop us from truly connecting one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and so our, our events really kind of allow for people to break down those walls and to challenge them to, I mean, it's not easy dancing in public as well. Right. And so yeah. it's like, yeah, it's just kind of interesting, different. There's like this novelty to it. And, um, after, after doing something like that in public and, and just, you know, dancing with a bunch of strangers, you feel good. I remember I felt good after Canada day. I was like, I want to do that again. That was awesome. I didn't know who those people were, but we were high-fiving and going like, ole, ole, ole. And it was awesome, man. And so I think that's what draws people to it is the novelty, the just how risky and challenging it can be, and the reward of it after. So, yeah. So how is, um, how is like the current situation kind of impacted that like with COVID and yeah. having this isolation, like how has that impacted? Cause obviously we can't have gatherings that big. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's really affected us. We were, we were supposed to go to Shambhala and we were on the lineup. Um, it was awesome. And yeah, uh, Shambhala just announced that they were canceled as of like a few days ago, unfortunately. Yeah. So, um, and we know that Vive is needed now more than ever, right? Like people are self-isolating, stuck at home and human connection and loneliness and mental health is at its like highest risk right now, right? And so um, how the question was between Jacques, I and like the rest of the leadership team was how do we still people and how do we still bring people together but then not physically and so the obvious answer to that was virtual dance parties and so every Friday we've launched something called quarantine and we actually just had one last night and it's pretty epic so it's at the DDP headquarters I don't know if you know what DDP is but it's a uh, stands for dance decentralized dance party started by a guy named Gary it's like a world movement super smart dude um, but yeah, it's at his headquarters and we host the, the virtual dance parties there every Friday. And um, it's pretty epic, man. Like we, we, um, we kind of make it so that way it's more of like a festival and it's more about connecting. So we spotlight people who are dancing. We do silly things. Like last night we did a, um, a cleaning house party. So we asked everyone to get their vacuums and brooms and like dance to this song called Housework. And um, yeah, it was just a pretty epic time, man. It's all about getting silly. It's all about connecting. And, it's, and what's awesome too is that at the end, because a lot of these other, other virtual dance parties are just like you dance in front of a camera and that's it. But 
what I love about ours is that there's a chance to connect with others. And so we put people into breakout rooms and they're able to, and we give them discussion topics and we ask people where they're from. And so you're just able to meet people from all over the world. So um, yeah, it's been, it's been really successful and we've built a community now, which is awesome. We have a lot of regular faces, people from Australia, people from all over, yeah, all over the parts of North America. And yeah, it's been great, man. And so that's been our adjustments. And um, yeah, we're also trying to, trying to get into the, the corporate scene as well and trying to help companies because, um, you know, workplace loneliness is a thing as well. And, and you know, being disengaged from your coworkers can have an impact on your mental health. So we're trying to find ways to, to get into that as well. Nice, man. And when you went to school, what were you studying then? Yeah, so um, when I went to school, I took marketing. And I knew that I wanted something that was creative and something that was like also business because my mom was an entrepreneur and I was exposed to that and she had her own salon and yeah, and growing up and I was like her little marketing boy. So I would get like flyers and go like save on and I'd put it on people's cars and people <laughs> chase me off. It was really funny. Um, so yeah, I knew I wanted to get a business and I knew I wanted to travel. So I took, at BCIT, they have different options. So I took marketing tourism as opposed to marketing real estate or marketing entrepreneurship, all the different kinds. Um, and yeah, and I graduated in 2016 and during school, I was just super lucky, man. Like I didn't really study as hard as I could. I didn't really get very, very good grades, but I networked a lot and just made a lot of good connections. And um, yeah, and it worked out at the end, barely. <laughs> it worked out, but it worked out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, school is awesome. Um, yeah, I, I took up a lot of different like club stuff and ran for class or was forced into class president. So yeah, it was good, man. You were forced in. Well, no one else wanted to run for it. And so they were just like, Chris would be good. Let's choose Chris. And I was like, no, not more responsibility. You were I was nominated. Working. I was nominated. Yeah. Yeah. So I just like rose up the occasion and I was like, okay, sure. That's sweet, man. And at least like studying marketing, you had like some sort of a basic background on, on uh, ways that you can actually like apply that to your career, right? Totally. Yeah. So my normal day to day, nine to five is um, I work at a company called Foodie, which is a tech company. And actually it's not really related to my degree at all <laughs> as most as most uh like that's how it is for most graduates right like a lot of people like i know a person who took like a geography degree and is now in like i don't know marketing or something um but yeah i i am now in like outbound sales for for a tech company so uh and yeah i worked my way up i joined the company as like a call rep so it was just like answering emails and and um, yeah, I just kept applying and they kept turning me down. And I was just kind of annoying them. So we're like, fine, we'll give you a shot. And so there, there you go. That's sick, man. Well, marketing definitely helps in sales for sure, no? Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Because you have to learn how to, whatever your product or your service is, you have to learn how to appeal to the masses. And sales is kind of like a version of that, right? So um, yeah, and to give you some insight, like what what we do is we're like a tech corp 
corporate catering service where like DoorDash or Grubhub or any of those companies, but for solely offices. And we only partner with like local restaurants. So we're all about like supporting the local scene. And um, yeah, and basically what I do is I just like hit up companies who have food programs and who feed their employees on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis, which is surprisingly a lot. And um, kind of just ask them about their current program and what they do and have them trial us. So it was like a huge um, like learning experience for me because, you know, outbound sales is scary. And like meeting and like calling. I remember my first 30 cold calls, I would stumble. Hey, it's I could even say my name. Hey, it's John. <laughs> and I would just fuck up. I'd keep fucking up. And it, it just taught me confidence. It taught me like uh, not folding under pressure. And and yeah, it was just interesting. Interesting experience this job was. And I'm currently temporary, temporarily laid off. Um, hoping to get back in June. But it was cool because I get to travel. Because um, my territories were Denver and Austin. So, yeah. Wow, man. So you've been on, you've been traveling with music. You've been traveling with this company as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very lucky, man. Very, very lucky, honestly. But I think also a lot of hard work went into it as well. I, I can't discount that. I always just tell myself luck, luck, luck. But my sister keeps reminding me, no, like you, 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 um, you worked for it. So I have to remind myself when I say lucky. Yeah, man, for sure, hundred percent. I think, yeah. I don't know how I like, I don't know how to word this, but I think that you get more luck the harder you work, if that makes sense. Yeah, what it is is like, I think you bring up a good point, is that the more you do things, just generally do things, the more doors you just open, and the more opportunities and just things kind of fall in your lap, as opposed to someone who kind of just waits around and doesn't do anything, right? Because they're not meeting people or, doing things that they're not running into different opportunities. And so, yeah, I think that the harder you work, the, yeah, the more things just fall in your lap. So what's, what's been the biggest like challenge of your job so far that you've been facing? Yeah. For foodie, I would have to say like, I would have to say, honestly, if we were to be honest, (laughs) Uh, staying motivated because you know like selling selling a food service or like a food platform isn't really my dream but it's what like brings a little bit of income so you know it's 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 that struggle that everybody has when they're not like doing what they or trying to find their their um their calling and I'm slowly trying to figure out that or not trying to figure out but slowly figuring out that like vibe this hobby that i'm that i'm a part of this movement is i think my calling so somehow just trying to convert like that the nine to five to my hobby you know what i mean and just um slowly leave that behind but yeah the challenge is like staying motivated but also like if we're to talk about day to day in the job itself i think the challenge is like getting a hold of people you know, if you're cold calling um, and you get hung up on, right, all the time. And so just trying to, like, 
put a thick skin. So I just try to keep thick, thick skin in, in those kind of situations and not being um, so affected, you know? So, yeah, yeah, man, for sure. I, I know what you mean. Like, dude, even when you're not in a job where you're like, you know, you're, you feel like you're like stuck or you're like not really where you want to be at. Even when you're in the job that you love, man, it's so hard to find motivation sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you really love that job, wouldn't you be motivated? Yeah, hundred percent. I'm just saying, like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't discredit yourself right now for feeling unmotivated at a job like that. Right. Like, if, like, it's, yeah. it's tough to keep motivated for, for like anything, man. Anything. True. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Like even day to day routines, right? It's like hard to stay motivated and committed to that kind of stuff. So let alone a job. So yeah, makes sense. Yeah, man. What else have you been up to other than vibe and working? Um, yeah, so I've been trying to master routine and trying to, trying to re-engineer my life and my day to day to be the most efficient. And so I've been playing around with, um, like there's this like YouTube, uh, thing called like affirmations and it, and it's like 10 minutes long and it sounds super cheesy, but I let it play in the morning. Uh, and it's like, I am successful. I am wealthy for like 30 minutes. It just says like the I am and like stuff, like just positive affirmations. And so, um, yeah, I've been trying to re-engineer my, my morning routines where I listen to that. I journal. I've been downloading this app called Waking Up and I highly recommend. It's a good meditation app. Um, and yeah, just overall trying to be mindful. Um, and so, yeah, and, and working out too. Nice, man. What, what made you want to just get into a routine like that? Because I'm pretty similar. I'm, I'm a big routine kind of guy as well. My morning routine is like necessity for me. It's, it's a necessity at this point, especially with like the isolation thing. But what oh. made you want to get into being like in a routine? Mental health, man. I've, I, you know, everybody has their like insecurities and, their um, anxieties and, and, you know, I've, I've been through a lot of depression in the past. And so um, it's just my way of not falling back into that and also not believing my insecurities. So these routines help like keep my mind strong and help keep me mindful of when I'm falling into those moments of, of, not being mentally strong and allowing the insecurities win. And there are days that happen, honestly. So, yeah. What, like, what was the biggest challenge getting into the routine that you're in now? Cause it like, for me, journaling was a pretty big difficulty to get into. Yeah. <laughs> like working out kind of came naturally for me cause I was always in a gym, but journaling was like the biggest thing. And I'm finding now, I've been slipping a little bit on my reading because I've been going more towards audiobooks. Mm. What was like the hardest thing for you to kind of start doing? It was definitely meditation and also staying off my phone as well. So like like uh, I noticed that when I first woke up, because your your alarm would go off, you reach for your phone and 
it's just so easy to check social media. And so I made it a point to one, put do not disturb on and not check my phone. So that was really difficult to do because it was just so habitual. And then, um, yeah, meditating, just sitting down and, and emptying your mind and not getting lost by thoughts. That's so difficult, man. And so, um, so yeah. And also like I can relate as well with, with, um, journaling. I think now I'm a lot better at it because I'm, I'm getting into the habit of it. But when I was first starting, just sitting down and like, where do you start? What do you do? And now I've, I have a formula. So when I, and I've got this off like, like a YouTube video and it was like, uh, CEOs and their typical jur journaling methods. And, uh, what was recommended was that you have a format where you write three things that you're grateful for, three things that you will, that will make, that will help make your day great. So like th three things that you will do that day. And then you, you end the page with positive affirmations. Like I am, I am this, I am that I, yeah, all that stuff. And so, um, yeah, those were the challenges, man. Just like focusing because yeah, social media was a distraction. Being able to sit down and just meditate was hard and just writing down and sitting down was hard as well. So you find um, you're on your phone more in the morning or at night before bed? Both. Although, okay. Uh, I'd say night before bed cause I'm trying to like wind down and stuff like that. Um, what I'm trying to do or, or what I want to do is read before bed instead, like replace yeah. that. My ideal way is to have limited hours in the day where I touch my phone. So like, I don't know, for example, 11 to seven. So never before 11 and never after 7 PM. And, um, I always keep my phone on do not disturb now, now too. So that way I'm not just like overwhelmed by notifications or whatever. So it's been helping. Dude, you can, uh, what I did was I just bought a separate alarm clock as well. So I don't touch Dude, my phone first thing in the morning. It just rings and then I hit it. Dude. Ah, yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I got one in the, in the closet. So I'll copy Big that. help, man. Big help. Nice. And you're not looking at your phone screen right away. Like first thing in the morning, you can have like a little bit of time of solitude. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, um, what, what, uh, so yeah, what are your morning routines, man? Like, cause you, you talk about routines and what are, what are your morning routines like? My morning routine right now, I actually strayed away from it a little bit. It was a slight deviation today. So <laughs> typically I wake up pretty early in the morning. I've always been like an early morning riser ever since I was a little kid. It was just like Saturday morning cartoons. I was up, bang, ready to watch cartoons right away. So I've always, I've always been like excitable first thing in the morning. So my morning routine starts early. I, especially with having no gym, I need to stay active, man. Otherwise my anxiety goes nuts if I just sit still too long. So I try and do cardio right away because there's not many weights to lift. So I just do cardio right now mainly. I do a little bit of like body weight exercises as well afterwards, but I'll do cardio. And then I have like my first, I call it first breakfast, which is just oats and berries usually. And then mm -hmm. after I do that, I read and then I shower and then I have my second breakfast. 
and then I journal. And then that's like, takes me a couple hours, but man, after that, I am good to go. I'm curious. So what do you journal about? Like, um, yeah, do you have like a certain, is it about your feelings or is it about your aspirations or all, all the above? Like what do you, you know, I, when I first started journaling, I tried to keep some sort of a structure, like when, like how you were describing, cause I just wanted to build the habit of doing it. So I used to keep a structure. Now it is so different every single day. Like sometimes it's more like, like dear diary. And it's just like, bang, I just write down all my thoughts that I have at the time. Maybe like, Oh, I didn't sleep well this, this past evening. I kind of feel like garbage today, you know, whatever it is, any insecurities or anxieties. And then other days it's just like a to-do list. It's just like I, maybe my brain's a little fried in the morning and scrambled and I just like kind of feel anxious. I'll just write a to-do list and try and organize my thoughts. Yeah. So it's like kind of different every single day. For me, it's just kind of the exercise of just sitting, like you said, sitting down is tough for me. And like even sitting still, like I've been moving this whole time. I, I just always fidget, right? Mm-hmm. But as long as I sit down and just like kind of organize my thoughts, that's all I kind of talk, think about journaling is just like organizing my thoughts. I'm trying to Dude. understand what's going on in my head. I get a lot of like, I'm one of those ADHD kids where my brain's just like flying, you know, like. Yeah, in different directions. Yeah. Dude. One of my, so Jacques, he's just, I, I feel like you'd love to have him on the podcast. He's so interesting. Um, but yeah, he, he was actually like kind of the biggest reasons why I got into like meditating and, and journaling. And he said that, you know, like training the mind and perfecting the, 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 the mad monkey, the crazy monkey inside is, is one of the key um reasons for success right like being able to just i don't know like you you know when you're having just a really rough day and you feel like shit you're able to kind of like imagine being able to control that and just rewire your brain to be like no i'm gonna feel better like that power over your mind is so important and i feel like that's what meditating does it helps you organize your thoughts and helps you regain power over a messy mind right so so important man good on you what time do you wake up in the mornings um it's i mean it varies but pretty early like i usually set like an alarm for 4 40 and then that way i can kind of go to the washroom have some water maybe wash my face and then i can start my cardio at five um but sometimes like today I slept in till I like, I call it sleeping in till six. So, wow. so early, dude. That's I just, crazy. I'm just naturally like this. Like I don't like, it kind of feels weird to like talk about it at this point because I like, it sounds like weird to just kind of like openly, you know, some people just brag about it, but I'm yeah. naturally like that. Like, I'm not trying to push it on other people. You don't need to wake up early, man. I just naturally like that. What time do you go to sleep the night before? I go to bed at, like, 8.30, man. Oh, my God. 8.30, 9 o'clock. Early, man. Yeah. Well, it's been dialed back a lot more, especially with isolation, man. I don't know how it's going to be once I 
go like back to regular life. But with isolation, I don't know what people do after 8 39. <laughs> There's nothing to do. <laughs> so like once the sun goes down, it's like what well, what are we gonna do? All right, time to go to sleep. <laughs> like watch Netflix all night? Like, dude, you already watch it all day. Like what you know what I mean? Like that's such a good point. Yeah, there's nothing else to do. So might as well just like end early and start your day early. Yeah, it's, it actually kind of started with, you know, I, I wanted to wake up earlier, a little bit earlier, because I was waking up probably like seven o'clock. That was like more typical in the last like few years. And I never even read this book, man. So I'm just going to like say the book title, but I've never read it. I just have seen, <laughs> I've seen this book in a lot of different places. It's called the 5 a.m. Club. And the people who I know that own this book are smart people. And one thing about me, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I feel like I used to do it subconsciously. Now I do it consciously. I like kind of, a, I, I try and adopt characteristics of people that I like and people mm -hmm. that I, you know, I want to be like or things yeah. like that. So I don't know why this stuck in my head, but 5 a.m. club was like something I needed to aspire for. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. That's and, awesome. And then so I just started dialing back like a little bit earlier, a little bit earlier, because I wanted to wake up at the same time every day. So I was like, it might as well be early. I don't mm. know why that was my thought process, but that's what I did. And then I listened to uh, Why We Sleep by... Matthew Walker, Dr. Matthew Walker. It's an audiobook, but he just talked about the importance of sleep. And I was like, oh, I guess I need eight hours of sleep. So then I dialed back the time I go to bed to match. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yo, tell me, tell me more about that. The the why I know that this is what I heard. I heard that when you sleep, there's like this cleaning fluid that goes up your spinal co cord and like cleanses the brain of neurotoxins and that can normally only happen after after like a certain amount of hours of REM sleep and REM sleep can only happen after a certain many certain number of hours of sleep which is why eight is the desired number and so I just find that so crazy because for people who don't get much sleep they don't they they don't get that cleanse right that the body normally flushes out and so I think that's why a lot of people feel very groggy. You get that cloud in their head. So I'm, I'm curious to know more about your, your findings in that audiobook. Yeah, like what would you say the one, a couple takeaways from that you thought were pretty interesting? Um, the biggest one, this is the one that impacted me the most because he talks about not just like sleep, but all the things that are day-to-day -day lives all the things that we do in our day-to-day -day lives that impact our sleep and then that are impacted by our sleep. So the things that we do that impact our sleep, like the things that we eat, the things that we drink, the, like the things that we watch on TV before we go to bed or even viewing screens before we go to bed, things like that. Mm -hmm. But he also talks about like how sleep impacts our day-to-day -day lives, like how it impacts your thought process or your hormones or tons of different things like even even one thing that he talked about was you know when you're sleeping less than eight hours a day and your body is 
having to repair itself. If, if you sleep less than eight hours, then it's going to be eating away muscle to rebuild energy or to create energy. And if you sleep eight hours, your suggested time, whatever it is, then your body's going to eat fat uh, and use it as energy. Like different ways that your metabolism's impacted. I'm butchering it completely. I'm not a doctor like he is. So I would say read it. But my number one takeaway I didn't get to actually, because I'm someone that drinks a lot of caffeine. And he talks about the half life of caffeine, which is basically how long it takes for your body to digest um, most or half of, of like the molecules. Again, I'm butchering it completely. But basically, caffeine stays in your system for like, up to 12 hours so like i was someone that was slamming coffees left right and center monster energy drinks like red yeah. bulls tons of like all day at work i was in sales for three years so i know you know exactly what it's like when you're making hundreds of cold calls and you're just slamming energy drinks trying to keep a smile on your face yeah and so i like you know i was for so long i was like oh i can't go to sleep early I can't go to sleep early. And it's like, well, you were drinking like three energy drinks and four coffees today, buddy. Like there's your mm-hmm. heart is just pounding, man. Like, Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize that like a 12 hour, I guess like the peak of it is, you know, maybe like a few hours or four hours. Yeah. But the butt rem- or that jitteriness lasts for a 12 hour window. Yeah. And it blocks out other hormones, right? So that's one of the things that caffeine does is it blocks your brain from uh, like your brain will still release melatonin, but it won't receive the signals from it basically is what I received from the book. But yeah, little things like that, it'll impede different hormones from being, being uh, recepted in your brain and it'll, it'll just genuinely keep you awake. Like it won't let your body absorb the hormones that tell you to sleep. Huh? And do you, do you, so you don't drink caffeine anymore? Oh, I do. I just drank, I just finished. <laughs> but it's two o'clock. It's two o'clock, right? So it's two o'clock, right? So, uh, yeah, maybe it's six hours. I would read the book, man. Don't quote from me. I'm just saying, like, like after about like this time, after this time, typically, I'm not drinking. Like, that was my last coffee of the day. That was my second cup. Gotcha. Nice. That was my second one, man. How about you? Do you you said you read? Yeah, so I'm trying to get into it. I'm reading a book named Crucial Conversations. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Have you? No, no, I haven't. What is it? Here, one second. It yeah. is. Yeah, it's like I'm only <laughs> I'm only 15 pages in, but from from hey. what I get <laughs> and watch me butcher this. Okay. Someone in the comments is gonna be like, dude, it's not about that at all. Yeah, no, it's fine. Um, I'm going to get roasted for sure. So. <laughs> Whatever. Well, like, okay, so in our day-to-day, we have these crucial moments and these crucial conversations that really dictate the rest of our lives or that really impact our lives in a number of different ways. Whether that's, you know, like a, a conversation with your spouse or a conversation with your employer or even a friend. And some examples that they give is like, let's say um you know your your girlfriend or whatever comes home like really late five times in a row and you make like a snarky remark like oh wow like i I, coming home late again i see i see my friends my other like i see my friends more than i see you 
and I'm dating you. And right, and like, and then that it causes tension. And so instead of like directly bringing, having that crucial conversation of like, hey, I observe this, it makes me feel this way. And this is, I request that we do that. You know, like bringing it up in sort of um, a way that um, is a lot more efficient you kind of just end up messing up the relationship, right? Because you're avoiding or you're not having that crucial conversation. And so it's just talking about like, what is a crucial conversation? How we normally deal with it? And so the three different ways are, we either avoid them. Most people avoid these conversations because it can make us uncomfortable or it's like kind of scary to have or whatever. Second one is we have them and we bring it up in a very like negative way like we're angry about it emotional and we just mess it up and the third way of doing it is the ideal way where you have the conversation and you bring it up in in a way where both parties are satisfied with the outcome and so it teaches you the formula on how to have these conversations in 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 um in the most efficient way possible and um how you can apply them to relationships to your career to job interviews and yeah, it talks about vulnerability as well. And it all starts about with like, yeah, starting with the heart. So it's interesting. Nice, man. And so reading something that you just threw into your routine? Reading is something that I'm still trying to throw into my routine. <laughs> it's just so difficult, man. Like, cause my, my morning routine, I find already takes like two or three hours and I have some like vibe stuff to do. And so like, I'm trying to fit everything in. So what I'm gonna try and do is incorporate it before bed as one of my routines. I was I was thinking about doing the same thing because that's always the one thing. If I have to sacrifice something due to time, like any time constraint, it's always like, oh, reading is kind of. Uh, I'll do that one another day because organizing my thoughts is like number one. Exercise is like number one. I would think if there's two number ones, like those are the two number <laughs> ones, right? I need to I do like those that. two things. I like right. how you prioritize. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Those are my two like things I need to do. And then reading is always the one where I'm like, okay, I'll do it another time or maybe I'll do it later. And then I never do it later. But I think before bed might be the key. Cause I always get tired. And one thing I've noticed, this is kind of something, I don't know if it's isolation or not, but by mm. the time I do my routine, a lot of the times I'll finish with reading just because I won't be able to sit down until I organize my thoughts. Like I kind of get anxious about not journaling. So sometimes I'll do the reading last and then I get tired and I want to nap in the afternoon. I don't know if that's like cause of isolation or cause reading just makes me tired, but I'm going to try and do it before bed, man. Do you, do you, uh, do you power through? Do you take the naps in, in the afternoon? Oh, I, I try and power through, dude, but it's tough. It's tough. I know. I know. Especially waking up early. I don't know if this is going to be a good excuse or not, but I find like if I get a good nap halfway through the day, I'm gold, man. Like wake up at like a good 4.40, 5 o'clock, do your stuff, all the things you need to do. And then by maybe noon, take a nap, just like a half hour. That's all I need. <laughs> That's all I need. But I, I think – I got to get, I got to get out of the habit because once we go back to work, 
it's going to yeah. be tough. <laughs> Get your afternoon naps. <laughs> no. Tough. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, man. Like, uh, so it's it sounds like you've, you've really kind of re-engineered your life in the same way I have. And um, yeah, I guess we both haven't really talked about the reasons behind it, but I'm curious about like, yeah, it just sounds so different from the 2013 mark that I knew. And if you're okay with sharing, I just would love to understand like what inspired all of this and like, when did you go on this journey, man? Yeah. Oh, wow. So pretty much like since I was a little kid and up until like my late teens, I was dealing with like pretty bad depression and anxiety, like pretty severe. And I never really knew how to address it. I never really even understood it for the longest time. It wasn't until like I was in my late teens that I was, you know, starting to understand, okay, this is a problem I'm going to have to deal with. Right. So for years I'd struggle with my mental health and probably when we met was when I was starting to actually like start to understand and realize that there was a pretty serious issue that I had to deal with. And there was a few people in my life, even like personal, like close friends that, you know, dealt with things from, you know, drug addiction or substance abuse, um, committing suicide, different things like that. And even just seeing a lot of people I knew that were just suffering from little things like, you know, you always see people that have potential to do so much and then they, they just kind of never act on it because they're so anxious. This is something I've kind of been thinking about about myself recently. But, um, you know, for after suffering for so long and seeing other people suffer close to me, I just kind of started to think about like all the time, like I was literally thinking about it all the time. Like, why is this something we don't talk about? Why is this something that's not addressed? Like it bothered me so much. And so when I was like 17, I think I couldn't think of anything I wanted to do. Like I, I was just so unmotivated. So that would have been like, yeah, like 2013. And I was just so unmotivated, man. I, I had, like everyone kind of knew what they wanted to do. They all kind of like all my friends kind of were like, Oh, I'm going to go to this school and do this. And I'm going to go here and do this for a job. And I didn't know what I wanted. Right. But I just, I, this problem was stuck in my head. So I just always wanted to do something. So I tried different things. Like uh, I tried starting a hat company that was going to raise funds for mental health awareness I tried doing a volunteer program for a while on the downtown east side, just like uh, donating like food and hats and clothes and like stuff like that. But I kind of find that YouTube and, you know, making videos or just kind of talking to people about these types of things is kind of the best way, especially in like 2019, 2020 to just kind of like spread awareness for things. And so that's kind of how I shifted more towards something like this. Right. I just kind of, uh, I think it's important to not just, uh, not just mental health, but like you kind of said, like have conversations that people wouldn't typically want to have or be able to just be open and talk about things. That's kind of like the, the platform I'm trying to give right now is just be able to have an open conversation. And then that happens to be about mental health a lot of the time and self-development because that's what interests me, right? 
Dude, that's awesome, man. I feel like you have so much to be proud of. Like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who have that thought, but don't decide to do anything about it. And you having wanting to, you know, be sort of this influencer or this platform for people to improve themselves or to realize that, hey, I'm not the only one going through this shit. It's, it's just, it's so admirable to see someone who's make, putting this effort and a lot of his energy into helping make people who deal with the same kind of issues feel better about themselves and giving them the tools through interviews like this to, to better their lives. So dude, hats off to you, man. Like you, that's- I appreciate that. Yeah. It's tough, man. Well, I, I would say it's tough, but it, it is and it isn't. Like it's tough because like I said, I still deal with like the anxiety every single time. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should post this. I kind of stumbled over my words here or I sound like an idiot or, you know, I kind of sound like a little bit like, I don't know, slow or everyone has their own insecurities. Right. So sometimes I'm pretty fearful or anxious posting things, but I kind of figure every single time I get that thought, I'm like, that's the point, dude. That's the point of doing it. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of the point I was thinking, this is what I journaled about today. So it's kind of fresh on my mind. But that's, that's kind of like the point of doing it, right? 100%. Because, yeah, if you listen to that voice and you don't end up doing it, then you're just in this vicious cycle, right? Like you, you, but you just got to push through, push through, push through, push through. And um, yeah, just doing, man. That's kind of just been something that I've learned in the last little bit is you just got to do. I didn't, like when I was offered this job at Foodie, I didn't, I was scared. I was scared. And they told me like, you know, that, that, that I didn't have the experience for it. And that if I didn't do good, that they would fire me. And I, I took it and I did it. And then same thing with like a lot of different elements of my life, like filmmaking and like photography and all that stuff. Like I just decided to do. And honestly, that is the best way to live life is do and through doing you build confidence and you and you fight the the anxiety yeah man what like did were you ever kind of like that as well were you like oh i don't know if i should do this or hell yeah or man. something yeah i still deal with it today honestly like um yeah, I don't know. I grew up with, like, I told you a bit about my mom, and, and she was, like, really, really harsh towards me in kind of a, a really bad way. Like, um, yeah, I remember there used to be, like, social services that would come by my house and, and you know, like, check up on us. And, yeah, it just got that bad, that bad. And, um and yeah, I remember just being told I wasn't good enough or I was, and I like spent some time living on, uh, yeah, not having a home and that really sucked. And so all those things that happened in my upbringing really affected me throughout life and making me think I couldn't do anything. I couldn't, I couldn't, I wasn't good enough for things. And I still feel that way, honestly. And that's why like this, this journey of self-development, it's, it's still like, it's still happening today. Like I'm trying to build these routines and not believe in it. And, and yeah, and I just like find that writing down what I've accomplished and what I've done and 
what I want to do helps with all that anxiety. But um, but yeah, it was a pretty tough upbringing then. Pretty tough. Yeah, but it sounds like you've grown like immensely from it, man. Yeah, yeah, I would have to say, and still growing, and um, yeah, still, still, just it's so interesting what you said earlier. What you said, like you take you take characteristics of people that you admire that you aspire to be like, and you just apply them. That's what that's exactly what I've I've been doing too, and so like Jacques, for example, I just feel like I'm learning so much from him, and he he has a very interesting take on life. And he sees every relationship, friendship, whatever, as transactional, where there's a transaction. And when you, when you say transaction, it means that, you know, there's a give and take, both sides, right? And so he has audited his circle of friends and audited, audited it in a way where there's priorities. And what, what do I get? What do I get and what do I give? Do I give too much? And so... Um, yeah, just making sure that you're you're surrounding yourself with with people that push you and that drive and that don't drain you and like drive you to be a better person um, is what's really helped too. Having that support system, um, so yeah. Yeah, I think it's something that we all do. Like I said, I used to do it subconsciously. You know, you like adapt your know, negative habits from people that are around you, or you know, sometimes it's you know. It could be even even be like the way you talk to people or the way you respond to people or certain things like that. The way you respond to a certain situation. It doesn't always have to be like the cliche drugs and alcohol, stuff like that. That was kind of, you know, what what you typically get fed in like the television shows and stuff. But it could be like little things like your behavioral patterns, like how you deal with something that makes you anxious. You know, if you mm -hmm. see people that have bad coping mechanisms your whole life, then maybe you're going to start to adapt something like that. Right. Like it, it's something that I used to do so super subconsciously. And then once I realized it, I was like, Oh, I can adapt this to help me. Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's why you got to be super like selective about your circle. Right. Cause I mean, you are, you're like birds of the same feather flock together. Mm -hmm. Have you, everyone like you are your environment or you are the people that you surround yourself with and my sister Christabel, she has a she has a uh, an instagram account called world meets us and it's about um life advice from people all over the world it's really cool um but anyways she she's also like uh she's younger than me she's like 21 or 20 and she's one of my biggest inspirations and she taught me the importance of cutting people off and um yeah i'm actually in the process of like doing that right now with with people in my life and it's gonna there's gonna be some tough conversations that happen later down the road but yeah it's super important for the reasons that you said people have bad coping mechanisms or or just bad ways of dealing with things and it could you know be things that you adopt if you surround yourself with that so um yeah yeah, it's huge, man. It's absolutely huge. I think like, um, yeah, it's tough, man. You, sometimes you do have to cut people out. Sometimes like you have to cut them out partially. I don't know if this is like good advice for you or anything like that, but I just found like I had some friends that, you know, I couldn't let go of, but I had to cut out certain activities with them for sure. So mm -hmm. if they would ask me to hang out, I'd be like, well, what are we doing? 
mm-hmm. like because I don't want to like I feel anxious if I just sit around and play video games for you know four hours straight like I that kind of makes me anxious you feel like you have to build towards something or well, not like- not all the time but a lot of the time well yeah most of the time just there's certain things that kind of trigger my like my anxiety like i can't just sit in one room for the same amount like for a super long time like there's no way i have to you know at least get up go for a walk have like a good conversation like i don't like watching long movies with people either so mm-hmm. sometimes like it just feels weird i don't know i'm i'm a pretty big conversationalist right so I, it's certain things just kind of make me anxious well so i feel like, like- Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, so like I just had to cut out certain activities, like even going downtown for a while. Like I just didn't want to go clubbing. It kind of made me anxious. So I had certain friends that I would only hang out with because we would go out together. And then I realized, well, I don't really want to go out. And then we just naturally kind of stopped seeing each other as much. And then certain people have kind of, you know, not made changes in their lives by any means, but we just changed the activities we do together. You know, like we just don't go clubbing. We don't go out. We just, you know, we'll meet up for some food at at a restaurant or we'll, you know, we'll do other things, right? That's good. Yeah, you didn't necessarily cut the people out, but you instead changed the activities that you did together in order to produce a certain kind of outcome. So, yeah, I just didn't want to do those. Like, I don't know. For for a long time, I was someone that... uh, I would do a lot of things that I didn't even really like just to kind of like, like be with my friends or fit in with a certain group. So I just kind of had enough of it. You know, it made me anxious all the time. And I, it was weird for me. Now I feel way better. That's awesome, man. Who I'm curious, um, who, who are your like biggest inspirations right now? Do you, do you have like a good role model to look up to or, or is it something that it's, it's all kind of like self, or sorry, uh, a sponge of, of everything that you're reading and all that stuff. Yeah, I'd say it's more of like a compilation. I like right. I always kind of have like a certain like you know maybe not like a mentor, but someone that I like am inspired by or things like that. But it always changes. It's always yeah. like it's like right now it's uh, David Goggins. He's just been someone that I've been following a lot recently. I originally heard about him from Joe Rogan's podcast. And then uh, I just saw him all over the place with like motivational videos and stuff. And I noticed that he had a book. So I bought the, I bought the audio book and listened to his audio book, but he's just like super inspiring, man. He's um, have you heard of him? David Goggins? No, he's uh, he was like, he came from a really rough upbringing as well, which he talks about in his book. I don't want to ruin it. It's called Can't Hurt Me. But basically, he just talks about going through his, his, his childhood and teenage years, trials and tribulations. And then he became a Navy SEAL and uh, did a lot of different things in the military that were pretty outstanding in terms of like physical feats. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not like... Yeah, I'm not like someone who's going to like boast up the uh, military all that much. I mean, I, I I appreciate being safe, but I just wouldn't join the military. I just like, I'm too nervous. I'm too scared, man. That's not for me. Like if I was probably like conscripted, I'd have to go, but I wouldn't volunteer on, on like 
like voluntary terms, you know, it wouldn't. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, I wouldn't I, either. It just makes me anxious. I don't know. I don't want to die. But um, he does a lot of physical feats in the military and then uh, ends up becoming like an ultra marathon runner after. And wow. yeah. And then he actually holds, I don't know if he still holds it, but at one point when he was writing the book, he held the world record for most amount of pull-ups done in 24 hours, I think. And he's, yeah, he's got a, he's got a lot of like physical, like after this guy retired from the military, he just started volunteering uh, fighting fires in California, like all the forest fires that they've had in the last few years. Like that's the kind of guy he is. Like he just always wants to be working hard. He he always preaches about kind of like callousing your mind. Like everything you do is like a workout rep. And he, he would, he would refer to it. Like as he would do pull-ups, he noticed that his hands would callous over and be stronger every single time. And so he kind of like makes that metaphor for real life. And just talks about how like just doing difficult tasks and always being uncomfortable is like the way that you callous over your, your, he calls what he suffered from his victimhood mentality. So he talks about like always thinking, feeling like he was a victim of something like the world was against him. He dealt with like a lot of racism and stuff like that where he grew up. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, dude, huge, huge, huge inspiration, dude. I actually, um, yeah he's awesome like i literally uh the other day i was he had like this one part of his life where he was like kind of doing like a huge weight loss and lost like over 100 pounds in like three months to become a navy seal and uh yeah i've been like mad addicted to sugar recently like i've been eating like a lot of sweets recently so I literally the other day was thinking in my head as I was reaching for some candy, I was like, what would David Goggins say right now, man? Like, there's, <laughs> there's no way. Man. That's good. Yeah. yeah. He's like shaping your life in a good way. Yeah. You dis- yeah, man. I was listening to his audiobook every morning going for bike rides, dude. So now I literally have his voice stuck in my head. Like, <laughs> Mark, what are you doing? Yeah. Drop Drop the fucking Oreo. Yeah, dude. No joke. Honestly, listen to Like, I guarantee you, listen after this call. Go and just Google or YouTube David Goggins. David Goggins. Okay, cool. I'm going to look him up, dude. And uh, you're going you're gonna to be like, it's intense, dude. Like, he's in your face about, you know, staying disciplined and and these things. Like, he's, he's an intense guy, man. He went through some pretty big health scares huge inspiration right now man how about you we're like enough about david goggins man but uh how about you, <laughs> how about you man who's uh, your inspiration right now crap man that's so difficult because yeah i don't really have a role model in my own personal life right now um there, there's there's just so many like things that i've taken from different people i would have to say like one of one of my um, coworkers, Andrew Mitchell from, from foodie. He's, he's like a super like smart dude and very, very like charismatic. And, um, it's kind of actually silly to say, I think, I think my biggest inspiration came from a movie actually growing up and it's catch me if you can with Leonardo DiCaprio and good movie, dude, really good movie. But when I was going through a lot of my shit, 
I, I could relate to him because he ran away from home, right? And what I loved about him was that he was able to just be whoever he wanted to be through like sheer drive mm-hmm. and motivation and charisma. And so I think that was always like my driving. Yeah, I would always just think about that movie when I was going through the motions of life. I was like, how can I get myself out of, out of this situation? What would Leonardo DiCaprio do? <laughs> or Frank Abagnale is his character name. Um, but yeah, I, I would say like right now though, I would think uh, there's this artist named Miguel. I love his creativity and his like, he's a really funny guy and he's very spiritual. And so there's that. And then on sort of the more like self-development and like, uh, yeah, like that aspect, I would say, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I really, I would say Jacques, my friend Jacques, actually. Yeah, he's just very interesting, the guy is. So yeah, those are my two outlets. Nice, man. And so aside from like the routine, what was, what was one thing that you kind of did that impacted your mental health in a positive way? Um, like during this whole time of quarantine? Well, no, just in general, just in like, oh, in, okay. yeah, like what would be like, because you said, you know, you came from a rough upbringing and you kind of suffered mentally from that. But aside from like kind of creating a routine for yourself, what was like, what was like another thing you'd maybe recommend for someone else or something that really helped you out? Two things come to mind is one is support system. Friends who really, um, yeah, who just support you and are just as weird as you or who just understand being understood is like, the most important thing, right? And so, yeah, support system. So that for me is like, you know, Shay, you know, Elijah, they're like goofy, like goofy, weird dudes, right? So like, I love that. I love that. They bring a certain side of me that I, that I, that makes me feel okay. Cause I'll always be like, okay, I'm never as weird as that. <laughs> like, and, and that's like, that's the benchmark. Like it makes me feel safe. Uh, and I love that. They're great people. Um, and uh, I would say the second thing was, just for the big for the longest time i said yes to every opportunity i remember there were like times where i yeah where i would just um where people would be like a teacher would call like we we would be in a huge auditorium of like 200 300 people and so there's a lot of eyes and um i'd be on my phone or something like that and I just hear the teacher ask a question being like, who would like to come down? And my friend Vishal was like, Chris would as a joke. And I saw it as just an opportunity to put myself out there. So I just, and so I went down and I just like started making jokes and like, I don't know. I, I, I just put myself in a lot of situations where I was the, um, where there were a lot of eyes on me. And through doing that, it helps me under, helped me like understand or be okay with who I was, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. So just putting yourself on the spot a lot and challenging yourself is the summarized version of that. Nice, man. Were you someone that was always naturally like wanting, wanting to kind of be in the spotlight? I, I like, I, I, there was always this part of me that liked that. Um, 
but there was always this shy part of me as well and this like introverted part of me that was fueled by anxiety so so yeah there's kind of been like a little war in, internally yeah pretty much yeah it's kind of this like back and forth yeah that's nuts man that's literally the same way i think of it as well like literally the same way i think of it as well because it's always yeah. it's always like an internal conflict in the head of like oh, I want to do this or I want to do that. But then in the background, it's like, well, what if I get judged for it? Or what if I do it and I judge myself? Like, it's not as good as I want. So I'm going to feel like garbage maybe. And then like little things like that. You know, I definitely get, I get that as well, man. I get that same thought pattern. And I think the most important thing is like forgiving yourself no matter what the outcome is. I think self-forgiveness is like, has also helped me in my self-development and my mental health. Like we're so easily hard on ourselves um, because you know, like especially people who wanna improve themselves, we're, we're, we're soaking in information from these like amazing human beings who have gone through so much shit and have accomplished so much life, so much in their lives that, that that has become like almost our standard or like the baseline, you know? And so when we do things that fuck up or whatever the case may be, we end up, you know, um, beating ourselves up over, over their stuff. So we just need to like be okay with messing up and forgiving ourselves and just moving on from that. Yeah, man. hundred percent. That's one thing that I always struggle with as well, man. Like just letting go of the past and kind of just accept, like, I think like I, I refer to it as just like acceptance, man. Like I just accept. I struggled with acceptance for so long, man. And I said, well, I still do, but now I know about it, I think. So I think, uh, awareness is one. That's huge, man. Being able to like, not only accept, but forgive, dude. That's dude, huge. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a difficult thing to do, honestly, especially if, um, you're a very like motivated and driven person, right? Motivated to be better, right? So yeah, it's very, it's very easy to fall into the vicious trap or cycle of like beating yourself up over something. Yeah, man, 100%. Well, we're coming up almost on like an hour and a half now that you and I have been talking, dude. I have Whoa. eaten up way too much of your time for today. So I'm gonna let you finish it off. Shout out all your social media shout out anything you want. And then uh, I'm going to ask you to also just leave a positive message for people that listen to this long. Awesome. All right, Sam. You guys can follow me on Hey Topper, which is my Instagram. Find me on Facebook uh, at Christopher Rabadia. And if you guys want to learn more about Vive, which is a social movement on ending loneliness and helping people with mental health, uh, you can check that out as well. Um, and in terms of a message for everybody who's watching, I would have to say, um, yeah, just on the note of self-forgiveness and, and, and um, this is what I wanna say. You can become whomever you want to be. There are so many resources out there in the world to be a better person and to better your life and get yourself out of the difficult circumstances you are in, whether that's your mental health or 
your environments. Um, so know that it, you have the power from within yourself to be happy and to create change. And it won't be easy. There will be so many challenges, but you have to keep powering through and always saying yes and challenging yourself because that is all a part of the journey to the end. Um, and even if you fail, remember to forgive yourself. Um, yeah. So I want to say. That's beautiful, man. Thank you so much. I'm throwing the recording off now. Peace out, everyone. Peace out.